So, how are we doing? <laughs> going down okay? You imagine to digest all this heady stuff? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I'm just experimenting really. It's the different, different way of presenting Dhamma session. So, you know, I'm trying to integrate some, some of the uh, academic, intellectual stuff, which I think has, uh, has great use with, with the meditation, I'm sure. Most of you are probably, you know, more used to silence and meditation at these times. But I hope it's something you can benefit from, you know, over long term perhaps, just getting some of these pieces in place and then being able to kind of make them real for you. You know, so not, they're not just ideas, but they're real, real pieces of a, a very wonderful and rich systems that the Buddha presented from his experience. So anyway, I'll, I'll say a few things and then please, you know, if it's going too fast or you want to backtrack a bit, I'm happy to do that. So, yeah. Today, well this morning anyway, we'll see how the day goes, but let's deal with the morning. <laughs> um, Looking perhaps more at what I would call the, the wisdom elements, you can't really just, you know, completely separate, but I think yesterday we were doing perhaps more on the, what might call the chitta elements, the more energetic senses of stabilizing, calming, restraining, steadying, grounding, you know, which is one of the functions that find their, their uh, uh find that so which support mindfulness and the mindfulness supports a sense of use the image of mindfulness being like a, a pillar that's mindfulness of the body is kind of rammed down in the, into the ground and then you tether the six senses to it so it's that restraining thing till the animals settle down and calm down you know and gather together so you know that that particular image stays with me from yesterday it's a very Wonderful how the Buddha made these things that can seem so conceptual, so incredibly tangible and, and vivid. Mm. Anyway, wisdom you know, is really much more, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not so, it's more active than stabilizing. Mm. So you know, the samatha and the calming and the steadying, the sensual strength is about steadying, st- stabilizing. Wisdom is more getting into inquiring, turning things over, looking this way and that way, checking it out, how's this, how's that. It's a wisdom in, in Buddha Dharma. It's not uh, a, a library of, of knowledge, it's more a, an activity of discerning, assessing, judging, checking things out. It's, it's an active um, quality, banya. So we all have this, though sometimes we <laughs> have cause to doubt. <laughs> Because we don't always use it so much, you know. A lot, a lot of the time, we just kind of glide, you know, glide on what's going on and just go along without really checking in with it. Yeah. So again, the, the paramount uh, 
overrider of, of all of them is heedfulness, just that uh, ability to have that, uh, uh, what I was mentioning yesterday is one way of looking at heedfulness, vigilance is just that ability to just pause for five, ten seconds and wh- wh- what's going on, where am I, how's this, you know, what's happening. Um, not to, just, just to know it more clearly and perhaps to know it by feet more fully coming into your body, into your whole presence, so you're not just moved along by the movement of ideas, of thoughts and emotions which can be so compelling, you actually get yourself grounded, now what does it feel like from here? Mm. So that checking in, heedfulness. But um, what that opens up for us, um, you know, is, is, some, is th- a pause or a space for, for further inquiry or reflection. Mm. There are a n- number of factors that, that uh, are mentioned that uh, all aspects of wisdom. Mm. Um, one is called, which I've mentioned before, wise attention, yoniso manasikara. Another one will be um, sampajanya, sometimes translated as full awareness or clear comprehension. You see the translators had a bit of a struggle trying to agree upon <laughs> a set of terms and we still uh, I witnessed this in even in this translations I've got here. Some the same same Pali word is translated in different ways by the English because people are trying to find some English words that will fit. Um, so sampajanya, that's that's uh, you know in the Satipatthana suttas that's that's seen as a, a, a partner of mindfulness. They act together. Mindfulness and sampajanya, sati sampajanya, act as a kind of a duet. In that, um, with another factor called atapi, which means kind of, you know, energy, aroused energy, keenness, and so and then, uh, so that yoni somanisikara, wise or appropriate attention, sampajanya, full awareness, and another term uh, dhamma vijaya, which is variously translated as investigation of states or analysis of qualities. Mm. So these three, I'll try to point them out. So Yoni Sikara, as I said yesterday, the Buddha named as one of the two primary resources that we should refer to, the other one being Kalyanamita. If you like to look at suttas, and you, then you'll find those mentioned in Itivuttaka 15 and 16. The, the Buddha clearly states this, there's no you know, there's no other external support that's better than spiritual friendship, no other internal support as good as wise yoni-so-manisikara, uh, wise attention. So um, this, this term, yoni-so, yoni means womb or the matrix or the origin, the place where things come into form, the source. Uh, manas is the uh, attention, the mind organ, that which uh, fine-tunes data, yeah. So the chitta gets gestalt, gets overall impressions. It gets felt senses like feeling comfortable, feeling happy, feeling safe, whatever. And then the mind—it's—it's it's not good on detail. It's good on impression and and, and reaction. <laughs> you know, the basic overall view and then the reaction. 
And what it relies upon for the detail is this is mind organ called manas. So the manas is that which keeps referring to things, giving continually giving feedback on it. Actually, you know, she was frowning, but now she's smiling. So da 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 da. She was perhaps she was just had a headache, and you are safe. You're okay, and whatever it is, you know, you keep giving more and more detail on things to to try to build up and get clearer on this overall impression that we're going to establish. How we're doing. So, manasikara. Manasikara is just a normal function of the mind. It's nothing special. The mind always operates through citta and mano. These two operating together. The mind organ uh, keeps, you know, there's nothing special about that. It's always doing that. But, unwise attention when it just gets hypnotized by the attractive nature of appearances or disgusted by the unattractive nature of appearances or convinced by the apparent substantiality of things yeah, or are caught up in some referring to some self or another I am this, she is that, he is that, I am this, I will never be that, she always does that that kind of thing and it just keeps calibrating things in those in those terms yeah look how uh, beautiful that car is look at the gloss look at the sheen look at this look at the color look at the shape wow 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 you know this kind of thing rather than look at this heap of metal that's going to rust and cost me hundreds of quid to keep going (laughs) 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 which would be another way of looking at it you know but the, the unwise attention just looks at the, through these, these vipalasas, I mentioned yesterday, these, these um, distortions, thinking that something that you know, is inherently um, uh, beautiful or pleasing, inherently satisfying, inherently permanent, lasting, um, and, and self with that. Mm. Yeah. So this is called unwise attention inappropriate attention gets hypnotized because it just deals with surface deals with surface stuff yoniso means look at look at the source look at the origin of this yeah look into the origin of this how's this arising in the mind is it arising with a a, a greed quality arising with an aversion quality Avising with this kind of mesmerized, deluded, hypnotized mind state behind it. What, what, the, what? When this thing comes into your consciousness, what, what are the qualities of mind that, that are there with it? Mm. Mm. So, looking to the source of how things happen, and look more deeply into the nature of things, things that we all recognize. Everything changes, passes, keep remembering that. Keep bear that in mind. Be mindful of that characteristic. Now that things change is neither negative nor positive. It's just uh you know, is it true or not? It's not making any judgment on that, just things are shifting, things are changing. If we wisely attend to our our negative mind states, then we recognise, well, this too will shift and change. It's being sustained. It doesn't have to be that way. So wise, wise attention is is a um, very skillful factor of mind. You keep that.
probing, get it right, like you're listening to a, like you've got your ear cooked, listening to the sales talk and saying, mm, you know, I think he's just trying to sell me a line. <laughs> and you look into the, what's this really, where's this really coming from? What's its nature? This is useful in both in daily life as to, or it helps you to, to guide yourself as to what to give your attention to. Are you giving your attention to phenomena that tend to cause negative mind states to ar- be aroused, such as uh, greed, covetousness, uh, jealousy, aversion, so forth. So absorbing into those which have got these mes- mesmerizing qualities to them, is this going to do me any good or not? Mm. So when you, when you, just as a kind of part of your sila practice, is, is more than just keeping the five precepts, which is your basic thing, but you can also start to look at, well, you know, this is not against the precepts to, to watch this or that or the other, but it's not doing me any good either, you know. Uh, in fact, it's making me dull, lazy, or whatever, so just put that aside. Mm. So you take it more from, the, from just the precept level to the hindrance level, you know, what giving attention to what things causes hindrances to arise and what causes them to cease. <laughs> so what's the origin of things? Now we also use this when we want to meditate. What's a suitable meditation theme? Yeah. So you check it out. So in the body, uh, aspects of the body, thinking about it. If your mind is dull and lazy, get it to think, deliberately think. If it's hyperactive, get it to just relax and be softer. So we're just checking out, you know, where, where, how do things, how do things get born? You know, if you like this is the matrix, how do you hold this thing in your heart? Mm-hmm. So what's born is born, born of wisdom rather than born of uh, confusion. In one of these extracts, the. Uh, called the Sabhasava Sutta. And here this is translated as all the taints. So you have a section called Wise Attention Analysis. And the second of those gives you one um, description of wise attention. Taints here is the translation for Asava, which this is, I think, Bhikkhu Bodhi and Bhikkhu Nyanamoli's translation of Asava is taint. And Tanisaro's translation of it is fermentation. So you see there's quite a difference there. Um, So if we come to the sections 5 through to 11, it says, An untaught ordinary person who has no regard for noble ones and is unskilled and undisciplined in the Dhamma does not understand what things are fit for attention or what things are unfit for attention. What are the things that unfit for attention he attends to? There are th- these are things such as when he attends to them, the unarisen taint of sense desire arises in him. 
the, or the arisen taint of sense desire increases. The unarisen taint of becoming or being arises him and the arisen taint of being or becoming increases. The unarisen taint of ignorance arises in him and the arisen taint of ignorance increases. These are the things unfit for attention that he attends to. Now here we have these what are taints and this particular analysis presents three and some analyses present four. I'll give you the, the three are karmasava, which means that your mind flows out. Or, or so asava has got this kind of flowing quality. It, it, it refer, it's, a, it's a word that seemed to refer to a disease that trees get, whereby something inf infests the tree and it starts to ooze, kind of ooze its sap and leak its substance. Yeah. So that, that's where the word comes from, asawa. Sawa is the flow, so it's like a flowing out. Uh, something, some kind of disease gets in there and this oozes, all its substance starts oozing out. <laughs> so this is what the Buddha says happens to the mind. Uh, um, kind of poison. And the first one is sense, sense desire, so that... Um, Something gets in there and the mind oozes out towards sense desire to find completion, satisfaction, happiness, all those sorts of things. And then the other one is the arisen taint of, um, of being or becoming, bhavasava, B-H-A-V-A, long A, B-H-A-V, long A, S-A-V-A-Bhavasava, which is the taint or the outflow of becoming or being. And we'll look at that. This comes up more fully in the, in the subsequent section. But Bhava refers to uh, a, a particular Sankara that ex ex has a time extension. Mm. Now, what we know directly is this moment and something in this moment assumes the past, remembers the past, and assumes a future. And we, we are stretched across a time frame. Yeah. And we, we experience ourselves as substantial through a, through a, through a period of time. Mm. When actually, you know, dynamically everything is flowing and changing second by second, millisecond by millisecond, you could even say, that, uh, but this sense of becoming establishes as a permanent identity who has lived here for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, so on years. Yeah. And there's a sense of what was I, what am I, what will I be? Mm. So this establishes a ground, an ontological ground of being. I am this. And there's a certain weight in that, is we carry the weight of the past we carry the uncertainty of the future. Mm. We have a sense of what, what's going to happen to me? What will I become? How can I make in this way? So this is very fundamental in our setup. Mm. Um, it's gen sometimes it's seen as paired with another one called Vibhava. Vibhava, they are, they are twins. Vibhava is, the, is trying to do the opposite. Wipe me out. Get me out of here. <laughs> Wipe out the past, wipe out the future. I don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Yeah, that's a vibhava. 
So it tries to almost deny the present moment. Baba extends the present moment in terms of you know our, our, our aspirations, our desires, our aversions, and, and Vibhava wants to wipe it out. They both establish a sense of self. The other asava in this lineup is Avijasava, which is the, the outflow of ignorance, which is everything that prevents us from seeing these other two. Yeah. So it's a distraction. It's also continually formulating things in terms of self and permanence. I am this, what, how can I be enlightened? How will I be this, will I, and so on. Uh, uh, you know, how will I get to the good state uh, of being something or another. Mm. These, these, uh, there's, there's a fourth one, sometimes included, is Ditasava, which means the outflow of views. We, we establish our identity around certain viewpoints, as I was saying yesterday. Yeah. Either views of being, views of non-being, views about the soul, views about the world, views about God, views about you name it. You know. We want to have a conceptual certainty, uh, a worldview of some kind. It's intellectually frustrating to not have it all sorted out. Sometimes this is what people find exasperating about the Buddha. He wouldn't really establish some view about Nibbana. He'd just say, you can't, you can't do that with Nibbana. Mm. So the, these are the taints. These are your f- almost fundamental sankharas, or, or in, in a negative sense. Mm. And it's through seeing through these understanding these that the Buddha realized his awakening through through understanding, seeing through and disbanding the power of these that the Buddha realized his awakening. This is his third true knowledge on the night of his awakening. So these are the big, big, big guys. Now the nature of citta as it's set up as I've said yesterday, is to try to organize you know, the whole, what's, 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 what's coherent at this time. It tries to, all the various data that are coming through the senses, through the manas, through the body, the feelings, the sensations. Can I, it tries to establish some core sense of this is what I am, this is where I am, this is who I am. You know, this is this is this is the overall meaning. This is the summary, yeah, of all all these details break down into. Basically, I'm okay, or you know, or I'm upright, or whatever. You know, so it just it does that. So its its natural inclination is to try to find some state of completion or wholeness, or um, st- you know, well-being. That's what it, it don't have to make it do that. It want it's, it's inclined to do that. That's its nature. So it finds some sort of rest state. And the fundamental problem is that it's looking for it in the wrong place. This is Awija. The inclination is sound enough, but the direction, there's a navigational error. (laughs) And that it's looking for this in compounded, conditioned, transitory phenomena that can't do it. So that that sets up this frustration that we experience as dukkha. We're looking for wholeness, completion in our 
job, in our house, in our relationships, in our health, in our cognitive faculties, whatever, you know, in our possessions, our lifestyle, and it's never quite right. So we add another bit to it, or we eliminate something from it, or we think there's something fundamentally wrong with me. Somebody, every, somebody else has got it, but I haven't. Um, something wrong with me. Something in me that I need to add more to to make me finally okay. Or something perhaps I need to get rid of so that I'll be okay. These are the bhava vibhava currents. Something I have to become in order to be full and complete. Something I've got to get rid of to be full and complete. Mm. Uh, and so one of the beauties of uh, the Kalyanamita is, is you realize well, you're not the only one. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> it's everybody's got got it. <laughs> so then you you start to look into it as a phenomenon. What is this experience of dukkha? You know, what does it feel like? What happens with it? It's based upon bhavatana, the craving to to be something. Vibhavatana, the craving to get rid of something. Karmatana, the craving, the thirst some sense phenomena to you know fill me up stick me together make me feel okay mm-hmm. but fundamentally the jitters jittering it's it's energizing is to try to find the sense of wholeness and completeness mm-hmm. and all the jitter has it has sankara which are these activity programs, and it has this fundamental awareness, which is the where wisdom comes in. Something is referred to. We do have a, uh, a fundamental awareness that we that things land on, and we know, oh, that's not it. That's not it. That's it's not that one. It doesn't quite do it. I don't feel complete there. So there's a basic awareness. If there was com- all delusion, complete ignorance, hundred percent. Um, there wouldn't be any of, of that friction, that sense of no, that isn't right. You'd just be, you know, colli- crashing along from one disaster to the next without ever learning anything. <laughs> yeah. So our, our practice is to keep trying to, re- to not give up and treat using the sankara, skillful sankaras, you know, ones we can trust, even though they're still conditioned. When we can't expect them to come up with truth because they're conditioned to. What they can do is lead back to our awareness. And the awareness there will see whether that's true or not. Mm. What this means in practical terms that that those activities that we do to in order to to make something happen, do something, are only remedial as long as they keep referring us to awareness. So this takes away the blind ritualism. No, no system, no belief, no action that's not referred to awareness is going to bear any fruit. It would just be one more layer of activities that we add on top of the other ones. Yeah? All that Sankara can do, they can't, they, can't decon- they can't do deconstruction. You can just construct more things. 
So, you know, you can construct your more, more and more skillful things or what you hope are skillful things. I'll add this, I'll add that. I'll build in some, you know, I don't know, skillful things, diet. I'll build in some diet. I'll build in some exercise. I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that and the other. I'll get rid of this and that and the other, you know. So we, we can build in these programs. But still, they will not lead us to, to realization unless that's referred to awareness. There'll just be more and more programs. You know, you can get bu- very busy trying to get enlightened, trying to hit the good spot. You know, you can have your start with your morning, do your morning chanting, meditation, and perhaps do a bit of yoga, get into qigong, do some running, get some jogging done in, then check out your diet. And all that up and go and see your counsellor, sort that out. Uh, <laughs> get back to your meditation cushion and maybe do a bit of creativity workshops and counselling and, and uh, um, group sharing, dialogues and so forth. You get to sleep, do your dream yoga. You know, and you sleep <laughs> <laughs> one or the other. And then <laughs> they're all good stuff. It's not any of this. It's all good stuff. So I do some of these myself. I, and I keep thinking I should do a few more. <laughs> There's still something wrong with me. <laughs> but <laughs> over time, something will be saying, no, no, you know, it's all good stuff. But I just got to be something I can get enough awareness, I can just digest it, you know, take it back to feeling the quality, you know, qualitative, deepening the, the feeling, the pr- processing of, of things, you know, rather than feverishly trying to add more and more items to the menu just improve your digestive tract. (laughs) Taking it back to awareness. And the fundamental um, process of taking things to awareness is you experience the arising of it, the fruition of it, the passing of it, the ceasing of it, of any particular action. So you, you lengthen your attention span, not just over the beginning or the, the interesting bit or the, um, you know, or, but the whole of it, the beginning, the middle and the end to the point where it dissolves. You know? So you're lengthening, widening your attention span. By and large, the process of, of wisdom, development of wisdom, is not necessarily ha- having a lot more ideas but looking at things like difference between short-term boosts of happiness and long-term res- good results, the two are not necessarily the same. Yeah. I found it extremely disappointing that, that everything that I like doesn't always do me good. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but it's true. Things that I like don't always aren't always for my welfare. But so the, the wisdom thing is, yeah, that tastes really nice. That smells really nice. That there's a good li- flush through my brain. But long-term effect is, you know, hungover, jaded, um, confused. So this is so the the wisdom. One of the qualities of lengthening the the attention span is so you get the full cause where that's coming from and the results so and this let it speak for itself 
that it's we go through that process and what occurs the development is you know of, of, of insight wisdom is detachment or non-attachment or viveka this sense of um you know like you're not leaning onto things you're set back in yourself you let things come to you rather than inclining out you know more rested back dispassion you're emotionally much cooler less stirred up because when you've seen a few of these things come and go you know the good times the bad times the happy you like, wait a minute it's just another one of those i've been through this one before you know so you just get a little bit emotionally savvy <laughs> yeah? that's dispassion and then ceasing means that the is refers to the ceasing of of sankara says some of those impulses and intentions that come up when we're not dispassionate stop and then relinquishment which is the last stage of this is that the the sense of self is also relinquished as a base that has any complete meaning to it so it's a sense of self is is something we experience an empirical thing that happens to us i am this i am that i will do this i will do that but as a fundamental ground that you really take as some absolute reality you know it's not you know, that gets relinquished so the sense of self is more like a navigational tool than a than a home so all that refers to uh an inc- a sobering you might say a come or sometimes called disenchantment nibida a sobering from the effects of these asava where you're a bit tipsy all the time you know we think oh the next thing will be really wonderful or i can really be one of these and that would sort me out i could get rid of that i'll be okay no you know you've bought those messages too many times so something you start to sober up from that so just bring it back to awareness contemplate arising and ceasing and let that have its effects and you find yourself step gradually, incrementally, just not buying into things in that full-on way anymore. It's humbling because it'd be nice to be able to just read it in a book and have it sorted because I know it in my head. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. The, the bit of it is it's got to go right down to your heart. You've got to go through the pangs and the learning of, of sobering up. Yeah. It's a bit like coming off of booze, you know. You can think it's bad for you, you shouldn't do it, but you still do it. You're going to get to the place where something in you has really not, in, not had enough, not interested, and you also have the faith to realize you don't have to do that, you don't have to go into that. Those are mm. So wisdom, which is the um, sobering up, or the thing that allows us to sober up, it keeps referring things back to awareness. So you start to sober up. Mm. And the development of chitta is the development of that that basic strength and stability and confidence in presence, in being grounded, that you know you don't you know you you really feel your mind doesn't feel it has to 
jump into things. It's, qu- it's stable in itself. Now, a lot of our addictions and phobias, when I notice them happening, there's a kind of wobble, a you know, little wobble, uh, a blurring. Hmm. Maybe I come to some place, I'm not quite certain what to do, so I'll make a cup of tea. There's this little blur, or maybe I'll you know, pick up a book, or switch something on. You know. So monastic life, you're a bit restrained as to what you're switching on. You've got telly, radio, things like that. But you can generally plug some, something somewhere in. People are pretty ingenious at doing that. always something you can get off on <laughs> just reading a book looking on the internet or something so you you get this sort of blur of feeling oh I'll do don't. and I feel good I feel you know got my cup of tea got my book I'm solid and real and you know that all that and the other and what the process of heedfulness to me is just that moment when it feels a bit uncertain or wobbly or or maybe sometimes I noticed it when I, I think of something that's, dis- that's disappointing me or annoying me. You know, and I suddenly find I'm starting to do something. Just to distract myself from the pain of a disappointing scenario or sadness. You know, to get away from that uncomfortable piece, I will compensate. You know, uh, pick something up, touch something, even just move around. Something that wants to get away from that uncomfortable placement with a world and myself no longer feel so whole and steady you know the conflicts in the community I don't want to I don't want to be with that um, people getting disillusioned and leave I don't want to be with that people getting nasty at me I don't want to be with that me being me feeling unhappy about people I don't want to be with that so I can wriggle around and find something to, to <laughs> and this can be quite subtle you know sometimes if just the mind just flicks to another place, flicks away. Oh, don't forget that, shrug it off, go somewhere else. That little twitch and shrug goes off. Mm. So this is the, the, the sangsara shuffle, we call it. And <laughs> 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 those, those are the points, because there's the, this when the you know, realize you those are actually some of the most important points just to stop and stay right there at that wobble and come into the body. How am I? Where am I? You know, and feel the like the you, you feel the, the tensing up that's come to resist that unf- unhappy impression or the sinking, you know, that, that accompanies a, disap- a sad emotion, a sinking feeling. And just come into the body, hold it, steady it. So that instead of, so that one refers it to awareness rather than going to another sankara to shift along to the next piece of the story. Now this is the how we bring wisdom to bear this uh, this on the little pieces or maybe sometimes the rather large pieces where we are we are not heedful where we are blurring where we are skipping or jumping or deflecting or ducking or fudging (laughs) or blurring out you know 
vegging out somewhere. You just sit back and go go passive. Uh, you know, which um, human beings sometimes feel they need to do because of the amount of pressure and, and dukkha that they're experiencing. So, wise attention and heedfulness. We look at another passage here. The Titya Sutta A368, which, which is still in this section called Wise Attention and Analysis. And this one, again, very simply, um, the Buddha says there are three qualities passion, aversion, and delusion. Raga, passion, aversion, uh, dosa, delusion, moha. What is the difference? What is the distinction? What is the distinguishing factor amongst these three qualities? Friends, uh, so we move down the to about the fourth paragraph. Of, uh, the blessed one said, "Monks, if you're asked what are, what are the difference, three pas- greed or passion, raga, aversion, delusion. When thus asked, you should answer those wanderers of other sects in this way, friends." Passion carries little blame and is slow to fade. Aversion carries great blame and is quick to fade. Delusion carries great blame and is slow to fade. <laughs> so, um, I think what is his blame? It means social, social opprobrium, social, social condemnation. So, passion, you know, excitement, People getting excited at football matches, jumping up and down, cheering. Nobody says, that's fine. It's so good. You know, everybody's enjoying themselves. A um, few people get beaten up. A few coppers get their heads bashed in. <laughs> people get drunk. But it was good. It was a good match, you know. So, <laughs> so that, uh, you know, passion doesn't get blamed very much. People find it uh, exciting and... and uh, and something that we're supposed to be doing, get excited, um, you know, get aroused. A lot of things are there to arouse our excitement. Mm-hmm. It's got a uh, copy of some software and it says, new, exciting and powerful software. I don't think I want exciting software. <laughs> Could I have some dispassionate software? <laughs> yeah, why do you want to be excited all the time? You know, <laughs> that's considered good. <laughs> uh, and it's slow to fade. Is uh, when you get aroused, then you know the, the sort of a little bit of this excitement, pleasure thing is seeded in the mind, your mind keeps coming back to it. Wow, I could get one of those, that'd be really exciting. I could buy another one, that'd be even more exciting. And wow, you know, and get that kind of fever. So you're, ooh, nice, nice, nice. So then you, you've really got to kind of go in there and start, not, not just looking at the object, do you, why do you want to be excited? What's so good about, even if it is exciting, what's so good about being excited anyway? <laughs> It's not that you want to be dull and torpid, but is there such a thing as serenity and balance and contentment as <laughs> more useful than excitement? 
<laughs> That's what sobering up's about. Aversion carries great blame. A lot of people condemn aversion and hatred and um, things of this nature. It's quick to fade. So, um, do you notice particularly on the geopolitical arena, those nasty so-and-sos in where it was, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Iraq, you know, we bomb them a few times and suddenly we're buddies again. (laughs) 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 We're allies, you know. Last year's last year's enemies are this year's allies. Yeah. And so th- these kind of alliances are you know, shaking hands. You know, you know, IRA, everything's forgiven. We all shake hands. Everybody's happy again. So there's some of these um, uh, aversions can be, um, you know, dispelled. Basically, because um, passion is associated more with, we might say, food which will stimulate us and fill us up. Aversion is more associated with safety. Yeah. So once, once, once we're safe, then we don't need to keep being averse to that. Once we've dispelled the threat, then you don't, aversion feels bad. You don't want to keep it going if you're halfway sane. I'm not saying people like to keep it going. <laughs> but most people, once the, sa- once the threat's over, okay, fine, we can stop that. We can be friends again. Yeah. Whereas food then, you know, once you've had one bit of food, it doesn't mean that's the end of the story because it'd be nice to have some more and, and store some up for tomorrow as well. <laughs> so, so, so passion has an accumulative effect. That, you know, whereas aversion, once you've solved what you're averse to, you've got rid of the enemies or you've quit the quarrel, then it, it, fa- it can fade relatively quickly. Unless, you, of course, you've got a view that comes in that wants to keep it going for some cause or principle or mission. Um, <coughs> delusion carries great blame and is slow to fade. So, slow fading delusion. Delusion means uh, uh, complete mis- wrong views, the earth is flat, or um, you know, you know, corporate delusions that we have which confuse us, dr- drastically refuse, confuse us. And it fades slowly. Because mm, delusion uh, is, is what is establishes our view, our sense of uh, um, our, our world view. Mm. Delusion establishes, is, is really associated with, with uh, views um, carrying wrong views and so the, the point of a view it's not for a passion it's not for excitement it's for a sense of this is true this is real this is reality this is the world this is me this is you this is men are this way this is it, women are this way this is Europe you know these kind of views that we establish give us a sense of ground and so that uh, even though they're confused or distorted the sense of having a ground is something that we find attractive or necessary or, or stabilizing. So they do fade slowly. The principle of it fades slowly. So you, so generally you have to find something better to, to establish yourself upon. Or you experience the painfulness of that. The loss of empathy. Um, so, whereas... So for one who 
uh, what, why is the cause for unarisen passion arises and arisen passions tends to growth and abundance the theme of the attractive and then uh, how should one uh, um, compensate for this or work with this or uh, one who attends inappropriately to the theme of the attractive unarisen passion arises and later on it says what in the second the later on in the suit of what when why does unarisen passion not arise or a arisen passion is abandoned the theme of the unattractive attraction always works upon the principle that something external produces that sign of attraction i can feed on that this will fill me up this will sustain me this will enrich me this will enlarge me and obviously to a certain degree that works otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't happen at all uh, the point is that we begin to recognize well the, sometimes it, it, it looks attractive but it actually isn't when you when you get it it fades immediately or that uh, there are all sorts of hangovers and side effects that come along with that or that one is more addicted than before so attraction works on the premise that we can be filled and sustained and enriched by external phenomena so we're attracted to them and they only do that momentarily sometimes they don't do it at all you know, I remember years ago some uh, when a person came on a retreat and this uh, person had been a successful businessman and whenever he pulled off a big deal he'd buy himself something like a Rolex watch or something really a treat for himself and this one he'd been eyeing up for a few years was to get himself a Porsche which normally you know big expensive sports car so he got it right you know and then he could order it he spent months thinking about this getting the right model order the trim the color Right, exactly the colour of the paint, then the trim of the interior, what kind of leather they were going to use, all the all the bits and pieces, exactly the thing, you know. Spent months sorting of getting all these options you can get on this thing till he culmination day and he, he got turned down to the showrooms getting his Porsche and he got in the Porsche and he this is it, you know, glowing the right colour, midnight blue, you know. Switch the on the engine just murmurs into life and he drives out. He drove out of the sh out of the out of the showroom, drove it round the block, you know, came back to his house, drove into the garage, and he said, just as he as he turned the ignition switch off, he realised he didn't want it anymore. It <laughs> 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 was nothing wrong. The thing hadn't changed radically. But just sometimes the, the attraction is, is in the not quite getting it yet. You know, the feeling you could be about to get it. And when you will get it, you know, then it will be this wonderful experience. Being on the verge of getting it, so the excitement mounts. So you nearly got it. And then just the point of getting it. And then, and then, oh, oh. <laughs> that kind of moment. And then five words go out. So when you had a few of those, you think, well, there's nothing wrong with the, the car or the music or the whatever, or the person. 
but this bit doesn't do it. It does this, it does this, you know, flush, excitement, building up, flush, and then boom. That's what it does. So we've got to look at a more, another source of enrichment. And generally the source of enrichment is through wisdom, compassion, kindness, calm, mindfulness. You know, these, these are not just, um, you know, puritanical structures that they actually have, make you feel good. Sustain, good feeling, stability. Samadhi is a, is a very strong feel-good experience. So with that, we realize, well, that then your theme is the unattractive. You start to look at things and you recollect if it's, if it's animate, if it's an it's a animate, uh, like an animal or, a, or even a person that you're attracted to, you recognize, well, this will, the, 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 the sign of the unattractive or the, um, you know, um, the unattractive aspects of the body, or the aging death process. So you, you're not just focused on the surface appearances of things. If it's uh, um, inanimate, like a machine or car, dress, clothes, whatever, you recognize in five years' time, this will be beaten up and with holes in it, and, you know, <laughs> and, or it won't even be fashionable anymore. Now it's the hot thing. And particularly clothes are incredible like that, you know. One year it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's skirts are going up, next year they're going down, <laughs> and holes are appearing in the back, holes are appearing in the front. <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's like two or three years, is same thing, basically you're putting some bits of cloth over a body. How many ways you can change the shaping of that? You've got, there's only so many bits you can reveal and cl- cover up again. Cause <laughs> The colouring and the and the tightenings and the loosenings and the you know the stylings of things. Uh, for, uh, you know, there's some, you know, and some of the when you when you're a bit old, you know, like <coughs> I am now, you look at some of the younger fashions which I used to get into when I was younger. You think, God, it's so it's so painful. <laughs> you know, suddenly everybody's got to have their trousers so the crutch is hanging down by the knees. <laughs> And you've got to do that, otherwise you are not cool. <laughs> like, oh, I used to do that. There's desperate need to belong through through clothing. And you put your body through all kinds of torture to get <laughs> make it work. Yeah. So the, we develop the theme of the uh, the that which does not attract. Now it can be seen as directly ugly or hideous but probably more more general it's just that the attraction myth we've seen we see through that yeah so you're supposed to uh, full cultivation you're supposed to be able to see the pleasant in what you normally find or the agreeable or the manageable in what you normally find difficult or repulsive you're supposed to be able to see the 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 unattractive and what you normally find attractive and so your mind becomes equanimous it doesn't move into either attraction or aversion. So this is through wisely attending. Aversion, delusion. The reason for aversion is irritate, unarisen aversion is irritation. And the, the, the relinquishment of unarisen aversion is through goodwill. Metta. So uh, irritation. 
um, yeah, which has the sense in which we could feel better if we could just get rid of that that thing, that sound, that person, that you know whatever it is that's bothering us. We feel okay, and that again doesn't work because what happens when you act with aversion is you're left with the quality of aversion, <laughs> the ill will, the sourness, the bitterness, the grudginess, the prickliness, the dismissiveness, you're left with that residue. So you may have got rid of the, the, the object, the sound or the sight or the person, but you haven't got rid of the quality of ill will, you're left with that. So through, th- through trial and error you begin to recognize it might be better just to get rid of the quality of ill will <laughs> instead. <laughs> Uh, you know, non-aversion is is the bottom line of that. It doesn't mean we are uh, fond of things, but we do not allow our minds to move into creating aversion. So patience, dispassion, relinquishment, goodwill towards yourself and others, you know, calm, cool is, is the way we wisely bring that focus. Delusion, why does unarisen delusion arise and tend to grow through inappropriate attention? And how does it cease through appropriate attention? <coughs> so this is using wisdom itself. Uh, wisdom is that which dispels delusion. So we see into, you know, through wise attention, you see into what your mind is making out of things. Yeah. So... Uh, what it's looking for. It's looking for stability in that which is unstable. It's looking for happiness in that which is not about to provide it. It's looking for selfhood in that which can't do it. It's expecting there to be beauty in that which can't provide that. Mm. So through appropriate attention you just begin to recognize where your mind is coming from. (coughs) And if we go once more back to the Savasava Sutta, um, the seventh and eighth sections of that deal primarily with the bhava, the um, sense of being and non-being, and, and views, so that one keeps attending unwisely in terms of was I in the past, was I not in the past, what was I, how was I, Having been what, what did I become? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? Having been what, what shall I be in the future? So these is all bhava. This is all that sense in, and of course this is sometimes this is verbally perhaps is a little bit crude. We don't necessarily think that, but there can be those kind of fluctuations and inclinations of our of our attitudes. Like, am I really this? What? What? Why do I like that? How did I get to be like that? Will I ever be like that? You know, that sort of attitudes and views. Um, so, am I? Am I not? What am I? How am I? Where Where do I rise from? Where do I cease? When it turns unwisely in this way, one of six views arise. The view self exists for me arises as true and established. Or the view no self exists for me. Interesting, isn't it? I have no self. (laughs) 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 Or the view, I perceive self with self. That's my large, my big 
transpersonal self is looking at my small personal relative self. That's an, in, that's an attractive possibility. My true nature is looking at my conditioned personality. Or I perceive not self with myself, that is my, my true nature of wisdom. My wisdom eye is recognizing that, um, you know, the characteristic of non-self. I've, re- I've really got non-self sussed now. <laughs> I perceive self with not self, um, such view as this. It is myself of mine that speaks and feels and experiences here and there the result of good and bad actions. Which sounds pretty convincing to me. <laughs> But this self of mine is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change and will endure. This is called the thicket of views, the wilderness of views, the contortion of views, the vacillation of views, the fetters of views. Mm. With experience we begin to recognize as, as long as that setup pertains, one's mind never arrives at a place of rest or satisfaction or release. It's just continually supporting some view of what one's true nature is, one's self, one's eternal being, uh, the mission, why we were born here, my karma in this lifetime is to do this, that and the other, so as I work out my attitudes or my, you know, I came here to, de- to develop more patience or work on my you know, sexual inclinations or something or the other, you know, my authority issues, this is my life's issue for this time round. So it gets very mechanical. And then I've done that, and next time I'll work on how I feel about dogs or something. (laughs) 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 It's 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 quite an attractive view, because at least we feel we're working on something, and it's uh, it's giving attention to certain things, but it it does still close the, the options down to to having sorted out how my, my authority issues or relationship issues in this lifetime, then I will. Well, you know, there's no, re- no real release in that. We're just um, tinkering, tinkering with the setup. The Buddha's saying you can go, f- you, you could do this, and it might indeed be for your benefit. Um, but you, the, you can go further than that. And so he says, um, instead of just notice when the mind uh, touches, when the mind contacts and the, the passion arises or bhava arises, just notice that. It's just as a phenomenon. So you're looking at things in a radically phenomenological way. So instead of you know, my defilements are this, I've got issues around that, well, just noticing there is the sense of attraction, there is the sense of aversion, there is the sense of delusion, and stop appropriating it. Just contemplate how these phenomena arise, how does greed or anxiety arise, how does the sense of pride or being or conceit arise, just as a phenomenon, just like we're just looking at something that we all experience, and no longer having to label it as myself. But just as a, how does this thing work? How does attraction work? <coughs> rather than I shouldn't feel attracted. 
Uh, I'm not supposed to be attractive. I'm supposed to be cool and dispassionate. How does attraction work? What is it? What is it based upon? Look into the mythology. Look into the underlying causes, the underlying assumptions that are there, blind assumptions that what we're attracted to will somehow improve us. Is that truly so? Hmm? Sometimes things I'm not attracted to have really improved me a lot. Or, you know, all night sittings, things I'm not attracted to at all. I don't find myself having to be restrained from it. But uh, but this has actually done me a lot of good. Patience has done me a lot of good, but it's not attractive. I, I don't, don't like having to be patient, wait for things. But it's done me a lot of good. It's kind of taken out the the impatience, the demanding, the selfishness, the obsessiveness, the narcissism, the things have got to go my way, otherwise I'm going to throw a tantrum. <laughs> you know, she writes such. So things. Are t- so we start to look at the the myth. Attractive things must give us some kind of hit, otherwise they wouldn't have any purpose at all. But how good is it? How, how far does it go? How long does it last? So then we're looking at things not, I should, I shouldn't, but well, how does it work? So that's, that's the mind of inquiry. So once you've cleared the self-view out of it, or at least put it to one side, you've not messed up the picture with guilt and shoulds and oughts and visions and ideals which add another layer to it you just got down to the nitty-gritty of how does this thing work and it's much clearer easier basis to work upon and then it well then you notice well that particular thing caused that to cease not oh wonderful me i've got rid of that but when you apply that that causes that to cease you see how sankaras can can uh skillful ones can can uproot unskillful ones and you begin to recognize the most skillful process is when something like mindfulness which is a sankara stops checks and pushes your attention back to awareness you actually notice well, there's the ceasing of something uh, this is how it is and that process um sampajanya that's why the mindfulness works with sampajanya so sampajanya is you say the functioning when awareness is functioning when it's, it's activated so we draw through mindfulness we draw something back to, to full awareness starts to how is that how does that happen what does it do it arises and ceases it passes it changes it's got this particular uh, flavor to it mm. so it's just noticing that noticing that this, this fundamental quality of, ca- of phenomena they, they arise and pass so if you look in the Satipatthana Sutta, that refrain is, is, is sustained through it, Sampajanya, referring things to awareness rather than to me, self, good, bad, stuff like that. Anybody need a break? Five, ten minute break? Okay, have a pause. And then I'll just, this morning, um, go ahead. And then we've uh, got another... 20 minutes or so uh, when you've had a stretch and I'll look at Dhamma Vijaya. So continue. Okay. Actually, I think I will take a little um, briefer. 
And what I'll do is just just touch in with Sampajanya, and I'll talk about Dhamma Vijaya later, so that we have some time this morning to respond to questions. So, if we look at the Satipatthana Sutta, the foundations of mindfulness, which is in your section B, first text in section B. So, Satipatthana um, doesn't mean the foundations of mindfulness. It's unlikely that it does. Uh, But it's because it's an established translation. Uh, The word Sati, mindfulness, and then we have this other bit, Patana. Patana means a foundation. Um, But the usage of this term Patana as a foundation is occurs in the Abhidharma when it's one of the books of the seven books of the Abhidharma, and that the Abhidharma is about two hundred years later than the suttas. So for this reason, or other reasons also, it is considered more likely that Satipatthana is really Sati Upatana. So that the two vowels kind of slide together, called process called elision, and Upatana means establishing. So. So, in other words, what this does to the sutta means, instead of these being the foundations, it means that these are the places where you should establish mindfulness. You should establish mindfulness in reference to the body, to feeling, to mind, and to mind objects. So it gives you much more an idea of the active engagement of sati with something. Place it there, place it there, place it there. And in placing we need to both have Yoni Somani Sakara wise attention where is it suitable to place it, place it on something skillful, something that helpful, and you need to have some fine tuning. How does it really settle? How does it get in there? And uh, as I've been saying in some of the meditation instructions, you might establish, place your mindfulness on the, on the breathing, and you want the full awareness to get the fullness of it. So breathing is not just breathing, it's breathing is suffusions, sense of feelings, sensations. It's a very full experience. So you're, you're more fully aware. It's as if you're, all of your awareness capacity, your ability to receive um, data, to receive, to be moved, to be affected, is, is employed. Yeah. So as I say, the mind, chitta is fundamentally affective. It's that which is touched, affected shivers, trembles, and that which responds. And because of that, it's, it's quite, uh, as we, you can understand, just even we recognize, it's quite a sensi- sensitive system, isn't it? And a lot of life is pretty abrasive. Yes, things go clunking and chundering in and ripping out. So your chitta is often pretty occluded, defended. <laughs> You're not, not completely vulnerable and accessible. You've got a certain amount of you know, you just take a little bit in. Um, so when we have um, wise attention, you find there's something you can put your, be fully attended to that you can really open up to and take in. It's not going to do you any harm. It's going to, you know, so it's going to make you feel good. So y- you want to fully, be fully aware. Some, and so uh, it's both receptive. And if you're more fully aware, you're more completely going to understand it. You can't understand something if you're not, fully aware of it, you haven't really received it, you've just got a little, you know, sort of 
partial view. So you only saw Manisikara gives you some more immediate recognition of, hey, this, this, don't be fully aware this has got the tang of aversion in it or the tang of lust in it or the tang of fear in it. Let's just back off on that one. This one seems more sense-stabilizing effect. So Yoni Somni Sikara is your kind of preliminary inquiry. And then establishing mindfulness and then Sampajanya, you can open up to take it all in. And taking it all in, widening, deepening, softening, receiving more completely, you begin to understand the nature of something, the nature of it. You understand its fluctuate, fluctuating qualities. You understand it's, 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 it's arising and ceasing. What we're really in is, is cascades, not lumps. We're not in lumps of experience, we're more in flows and waves and cascades and founts and flushes of experience. So then um, this sense of the arising and passing is both, uh, is a much more uh, truer apperception of phenomena um, that, that uh, means you're more fully with it, which itself has got a, a grounding effect. And uh, it's toning up your mind, which may, if it's not fully aware, it's, got, it's either got lumps in it which are still shut down or occluded or resistant or sleeping or, you know, <laughs> it's, defi- it's, it's hindered in some way because you, you're not, you know, part of it is holding back still. So the process of meditation is when we find something we can really fully, fully give ourselves to lean into and fully attune to it, so you, then you're attuning into it. So this would begin with mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of breathing as being uh, something that um, has no harmful taints in it. The arising and passing, fluent, fluent awareness of phenomena, it's much less, uh, the, the mindfulness of full awareness means that your, 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 your focus, your focus point is not so rigid. It's much more uh, receptive, less, less directive. Mm. So you're not kind of, not a, not a, so you kind of start to loosen up what the word concentration can do to you. Start with being fully aware, um, wisely attending. Uh, the sense faculties are, are softened and gathered and you're getting a sense of happiness. See where that goes, <laughs> you know, and, and follow that trajectory. That's, that's the recommendation. So to, with full awareness, to cultivate full awareness, then we need to certain, um, you might say, mental factors such as uh, trust, confidence. We feel we're not holding back. Um, there's a careful energy applying ourselves, not sleeping, dully, spacing out, non-distracted. Um, so that, that, that uh, bringing that to bear. Uh, the, 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 it's not just an object, it's how it's our subjectivity is included in that. When we come around to looking at mind states, so having established that process of full awareness on a skillful object, we're able even to be fully aware uh, of negative qualities because we've uh, established the, the, the ground of full awareness that allows things to arise and pass. But you begin with something skillful to get, your, get that, that, that um, 
learning, that capacity, that, that access. Mm. Arising and passing, uh, which in some ways is very obvious uh, as an idea, as an experience, it means that the, the, the tendency to get drawn in or, or alternatively to run away is, is, is relaxed. So you have this sense of serene steadiness and allowing things to pass through, rising and passing. So this you begin to, to notice how uh, there's a shift because you begin to recognize whenever something arises and you make something out of it, then it's going to keep going. <laughs> you know, if you're angry and you go into that and you, you'll find more and more reasons to be angry, and get worked up about it, more and more topics, more and more wood to throw on the fire. Or you start stamping around saying you shouldn't be angry, stop doing it, and it's trying to suppress it. So you just what you do is just keep adding more and more sankaras to the mix. And then you think, I am an angry person, I've got a problem with anger, you know, and you're left with that self view at the end of it. Sampajanya is just like well, this is sense of oh anger is a phenomenon. What does it feel like? Heat in the body, certain flushing is a phenomenon. You know, and then what's happening in my belly, in my midriff, my solar plexus? Loose, and there's softening, widening, and it passing. So then we don't, we're not left with this residue, this big lump of I am, with um, people I dislike. You know, we, we it's clean. That's the sampajanya process. So I'll stop there for this morning and see if we have any additions, comments, things you'd like to add or check. Chitta and the five kundas. Yeah, yeah. It's another, it's another map, another analysis, five candors. But uh, one way of looking at it is the five candors are how jitta organizes reality. <laughs> that is uh, uh, the process of consciousness. Consciousness in, in Buddha Dharma is an activity, it's not a state. It's the activity of something runs out and comes back. So the eye consciousness is uh, uh, attention runs out through the eye, takes an object, brings it in. That's called eye consciousness. It requires an object, a sense base, and uh, contact. So when those two contacts, like, oh, that's that. Brings it, up, brings it in, brings it in. Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So that, that's what it does. It's, it's an activity, vijnana. So running on. So that's what jitta does. It it it, it vinyams, it activates, it that's a sankara. So all of those <coughs> five aggregates are said to be um sankara'd by the sankara aggregate. And the language is is, is rather difficult because it, in the Pali you can just about do it. In English it just it's it sounds like gibberish. But there's a Pali Pali the word sankara can both be a noun a, a verb to to sankara something to compound something, it can also be the result a compounded thing, yeah. So in uh, in the description of the five aggregates in um, 
So it's in the Sangyuta Nikaya, I think it's 2279 in the Sangyuta Nikaya, where he talks about the, the five aggregates. And he says, well, Sankara, it forms form. It, it, it creates feeling. It compounds feeling. It, it, it establishes perception. Uh, it formulates consciousness. So it's the program that, that binds more up. So the Sankara is, the f- is really the, the activity of Chitta. So you have a, a quality of, of awareness in jitta, but what we mostly experience jitta as is the sankharas, the activations, the energies, the programs. And the, the five aggregates represent the activity of that, of that which is vijnana, so it runs out, picks something up, the moment-by-moment activity, and then what comes in. What comes in is there's a form, uh, a visual form, a tactile form, as an object. So you can't have, it can't run out to something, this is something to run out to. (laughs) So when it runs out, the first thing it touches is form, there's something there. Whatever that shape or form, it it could be a mental form. And then uh, round, then uh, said, well, what's it feel like? Is it pleasant or unpleasant? And then what's it remind you of, perception? And then what are you going to do about it? More sankharas. So that, that's the way that jitter operates. So it kind of it, it, it encompasses all the aggregates. So you know, like in the discourses where the Buddha kind of goes through the um, and five says contemplate is not self. Would you do that with jitter? You can't really contemplate jitter. You can contemplate a big, uh, um, in that way. Apart from the, the only way you can contemplate jitter in that way is to say, well, uh, you know, who who is this? Who am I? Who is this? And so in that, so you're, what you're doing then is, is cutting off the the object that jitter's predicated on. Not I am. Who is the I am who's hungry? Who is the I am that's bored? Who is the I am that's happy? Who is that? So that's like a chan, or a chan meditation technique is just go back to the to the to the the I am. And realize that the I am is always something that, that is hanging on to an object. When you go back to who it is, there's nothing there. There's just the kind of movement that, that for a moment pauses. Hmm? But if you look in the Satipatthana Sutta, then it says you contemplate, this is the jitta affected by. So again, it's still predicated. It means it's still got, this is the jitta affected by greed, affected by aversion. This is the jitta jitter affected by love, this is the unconstricted jitter, this is the boundless jitter. So it's always got some descriptive term with it. You, you can't have a jitter that doesn't have something jittering with it. <laughs> but you can notice that whatever it jitters with changes and is not self. That's enough. 
quite remember it well. So he's trying to carve out his independence. That's right. very very difficult sort of not not get involved and completely King Sudodana said to the Buddha, love for our children, Lord, it cuts through the skin, it cuts through the flesh, it cuts through the sinews, it cuts into the bone, it cuts into the marrow and it stays there. (laughs) It goes deeper even than tea. (laughs) 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 Which is saying something. (laughs) So uh, it's not not an... you know what? What is what is possible? What's what's you know? Mm. Mm, so, if, mm, because you see the whereas a, an object such as your your teething is very much an object. It's got a certain subjective quality, but the sun is much more embedded in you. It's much p- part of you. So. It's part of how you are, it's part of what makes your life, it's part of, you know, that powerful, natural bonding that occurs between human beings, particularly parents and children, much more, probably more more so than partners even. So this passion is just uh, being able to um, perhaps, you know, find, well, okay, where am I right now? There's this body, there's this set of feelings and impressions and then this perception of my son arising and you know suddenly the whole thing is starts shifting very powerfully mm. so we look at it as a phenomenon yeah. so you know you start to the first you see you can't start with the passion you have to start with uh, viveka which means just being able to step back and note witness the whole thing as a phenomenon yeah, there's a you know the, the moment when you know you, it's not arising in your mind. You're feeling like this. You can be aware of your body, breathing in and breathing out, and then the perception of your sun arises, and then it's whole sets of feelings and energies and inclinations and agitations and concerns and warm feelings start to flush in through that. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's that's the experience. I imagine something like that's the experience because that's the kind of experience I have. So I'm just a human being. I don't have a son, but naturally, you know, you have we people affect each other. I am affected by other people. Um, so those things occur sometimes negative, sometimes positive. 
that experience, is that him or is that me? Or is it some mixture of the both? I I would imagine it's not there's nobody there. So it's not something I'm making up, but it's, 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 it's it's the combining of the external person with the internal feeling, the internal responses. It's the combining of that. That's, that's what we have. Now that actually isn't that person. Uh, that, that, you know, nor is it me. It's, 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 a, it's a, uh, a relational experience. So we just... And the thing about relationships, all of them, is we can't expect the person to be the relationship. You know, the relationship that that arising in me, which could be full of tenderness and concern and so forth, that's what's happening for me. Whereas the person who I'm feeling that for might be asleep right now. It might be driving his motorbike down the road. He might be in a completely different space from where that experience is happening for me. The relationship experience is somewhat different from the other person or from oneself. In the Satipatthana, it says one is mindful internally, what's happening purely in, your, say, your own body. What's happening externally, you can contemplate, for example, another a body, like a dead body, and say, oh, look, that's breaking up, that's changing colour, that's that. Or you can contemplate internally and externally, which means the relational experience, how that affects me. Yeah. And so, the, but we know that as... That's, that's the relational experience. It's not him. So there's no reason why you, know, you can't expect him to be the relationship. And this is happening all the time, I'm sure, for all of us. You know, I'm expecting you, I've got this feeling of you being loving and warm and happy and receptive, and I walk in and you're having a bad day. Well, you let me down. You didn't fit my, my bit, you know. <laughs> You, you know, then you say, well, why, why should I? You know, so our relational expectation doesn't always fit the other person. So it's generally there's some sense in which you begin to negotiate. This is how I perceive him or her. Uh, you know, that's my, th- that's the thing that arises between us. But the number of times he can actually, you know, be that for me is 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 not certain sometimes you know it's very difficult passages when the other person is actually moving out of the relational sense you know they're not at all meeting that feeling you have for them it's not being met at all and uh, that's the the separation bit which is painful disorienting uh, confusing agitating instructive clarifying conducive to dispassion (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to get a sense of what you've been saying and um, and it makes sense Um, but (laughs) but it, it seems like another time we're really just relating to ourselves and we're not, I mean, how much, wh- where do we meet others 
Well, I suppose I can be very radical and say, well, who who's doing the relating? <laughs> yeah. um, mind is not a closed system, so jitta is always uh, relational. It's always relational. So it's relating to sounds, sights, touches, and it's it's also it's relating to its perceptions. So my mind might be relating to my perception of you, you know. But yeah. Yeah, but there wouldn't be a perception of you if there wasn't something out there to have a perception of. <laughs> you know, so it, it, is, it does have a basis. The Buddha doesn't say there's no such thing as an external world. It's all in our minds. Uh, there is something, but uh, we're picking up something and then we're translating it. Just like I, use, you know, I translate something to English language. That's not what the thing is, but you, you know, that's what we call it. And if you said it in French, it would be a different sound, but it would refer to the same thing. So all our, all our mental experience is translation, which, but it's workable, you know, it works, as long as you don't take it to be the thing in itself. The, the, the experience of perception, it's not, it's not spot on, that's all. Yeah, there is a sort of meeting, the perceptions are sort of meeting. There is a meeting, yeah, Chitra is, is about continual meeting. And uh, you know, perceptional. So because it's perceptional, it's still our own perception. So they become. Um, that's where it's not spot on. Well, I just you know, just again to be a bit pedantic, I wouldn't say it's it's not our perception. It's a it's a perception, born of karma. So it's a compounded perception dependent upon causes and conditions. Just so that it's not as if we've got fixed perceptions. They get fixed, but they don't have to be. The whole thing can be very fluid. Uh, so it's not like I have, you know, if, you, if I do have fixed perceptions of, of you, then that will establish me. The more fixed the perceptions are, the more fixed my sense of self gets, the more fixed my sense of you gets, the whole thing locks up. <laughs> You know, but if we understand perception is this way, it's somewhat mysterious. It's it's a artistic impression. That's then it's not fixed. It's not fixed. Then the, the mind, the sense of self, where where that sense of self occurs, is much more quiet and open. You know, it's not less formed. Mm. So that that's why the experience of impermanence is said to be the gateway to the experience of not self. You know, in other words, you really get the sense of the object is impermanent, the perception of it is impermanent, then that experience of being the one who receives the impression also starts to dissolve. So the sense of self starts to loosen up and dissolve. The more fixed our views, perceptions, feelings, realities, the world, the self, the other, the more fixed that gets, the more frozen the, sen- the mind gets, and the more firmly established the sense of self gets. More likely to suffering. Suffering comes right along there. <laughs> Lightning speed. Because, <laughs> of course, you know, 
what happens is the sense of self gets fixed, then it demands that the, the objects stay r- solid and they don't, they keep shifting, and then we get the frustration. I suppose because your emotions seem so real, it's always very difficult to talk about relationship when we get into this realm of talking, that's where maybe a lot of us, it's it's real it's 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 actual it certainly happens it's one of the most powerful things that happens for us uh you know it is it is perhaps the most powerful thing that happens for us because that's where we get activated you know we don't get we get activated by what we feel yeah and so that's where the emotion comes up is is how the feeling gets mixed up with perceptions and translated into some kind of inclination. That's the way, you know, if you said we were anything, that would be what we are, you know, very colloquially speaking. We just let the emotional wave at the moment. <coughs> so it's powerful. But as we do, w- why you want to lengthen your wisdom span, because if you attend to it, then you well, actually, that emotion I was having 20 minutes ago it's moved, it's shifted, it's changed. So, who was that? <laughs> you know, the wave does keep f- flowing on. Mm. So, the, the, to recognize, I think the subtlety of an of not self is not to, as it says, you know, in that wise attending, one does not perceive not self. We're not establishing a not self. We're recognizing a relative self-experience that happens and flows through. If you don't allow the relative experience of self, that thing, right now I'm this, right now I'm that, right now I'm this, right now I'm that, then we're not really being mindful. You know, we're, we're just not practicing at all. But So there's a relative experience of self. But what we want to know is, because that's where you're really, you're on the, you're on the hot spot, you're really touching what's vital and alive. But we notice that that keeps shifting and changing, and there's no firm foundation. So we're not we're not wiping out a self, nor affirming it. We're just noticing that it's it's a particular, you know, configuration that has some usefulness, but is not to be taken uh, as 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 a final foundation for our lives. Let's um, perhaps we'll take some time for some meditation. And uh, so if you like to do some walking, it's quite a pleasant day. Or, or if you want to say sitting here, or do some walking and then go and sit in the temple. So just uh, make your own choices for the, till the next 